we love each other so much that we went and filled out paperwork with the government, put it on file, and now we can do taxes together and share benefits. Welcome to In Case You Get Hit by a Podcast with Abby Schneiderman and Gene Newman. I'm your host, Angela, and every week I'll be sitting down with Gene and Abby to cover issues related to organizing your life, home, and household. This week, I'm sitting down with Gene to talk about domestic partnerships. What's your idea of what, like, what do you think a domestic partnership means? So when I think domestic partners, I think someone who lives with a partner, but there isn't necessarily a legal connection between the two of them. Um, I haven't really thought about the difference in rights between, you know, domestic partners versus a married couple versus people in a civil union. Because usually it's people that it could be together for a while where clearly they might live in the same place. You know, whether they're renting the same place or even owning the same place, they could have kids together, they could have property that commingled, money, they pay the bills together. So basically, they're married. They just haven't gone through that final step of paperwork to taking it to that next level and saying, we just haven't, you know, gone down to City Hall or planned out a whole wedding or that stuff. Then there's domestic partnerships, which they're only out of all the states in the District of Columbia. There's less than 10 that recognize civil unions. Now, a civil union was kind of in place before marriage became available to everyone. You know, so you'd, you'd want to get a civil union. So you did have those protections in place saying that this person is connected to me and they should get the same rights as if we were married because they weren't allowed to get married. Now that you're allowed to get married, except in places like California where they might still be uh, more in force. Uh, you pretty much go with the ruling that, hey, we're going down and getting married, and people have to acknowledge this, which is why that ruling was such a big deal. I mean, when people think of marriage, you figure, well, people of the same sex, if, they, if they're in a relationship, they loved each other. For, you know, That's not new. It's just the benefits that come with being married. That's why people want it. You know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not as romantic. But the reality is when you get married, you know, when you, to, you know, just because you love someone, it's not like we love each other so much that we went and filled out paperwork with the government, put it on file, and now we could do taxes together and share benefits. Yeah. Now the government knows we're in love. Yay. Um, a friend of mine is actually in a domestic partnership. Um, she had to apply for a domestic partnership visa to get to Sweden where her boyfriend lives. He's a Swedish citizen. Uh, she's been trying to immigrate there for three years now. Um, he's still in school and in Sweden, higher education is free and paid for by the country. Um, so no wonder they're trying to live there. But, uh, but she's been going back and forth for years because it's so frustrating getting this visa so she can be with him. I guess that's a whole other can of worms, um, but we can get into uh, later with immigrating with domestic partners versus a married couple. But I guess my question, Jean, is how are people in domestic partnerships able to protect each other in ways that married or civil union couples do since there is no legal action connecting them? What steps can you take to make sure your domestic partner is protected and given the rights they deserve? And what are your rights regarding the other person's stuff in the event of a medical emergency or of death? Or just in general, because there's so many situations. Like, let's say 
you're a couple and you have, you know, you have a kid. And a lot of times it's like if it's biological parents, it's one thing, but you adopted a kid together. You know, if it was a gay couple that adopted a kid. But in a sense, what if one of those people was the actual biological parent and the other wasn't? And you didn't go through the steps where it wasn't all set up and there was no connection. And then all of a sudden that person, you know, they didn't get along with their family that well. And then something happens to that person. Who, who's going to swoop in? You know, especially a lot of times with, with lesbian couples, if one gave birth, the other one's like, okay, you know, I'm still the mom. I've raised this child, but I'm not blood connected in that sense. And what if the family comes in and says, we don't believe in your lifestyle. We don't think it's right. We're going to take that child and raise that child as we see fit. Uh, it's kind of terrifying to to think of something like that. And we and you see it happen a lot with families that disown somebody. But all of a sudden, when there's money and other stuff, you know, they come they come around. And if you don't have things in place, then it's a lot like, you know, someone you were with for 10, 15, 20 years is like no has no more power than a roommate. And then the family can just swoop in like, oh, we're next of kin. And then they're entitled to any and all assets this person might have. Um, going to be able to make any and all decisions that this person might have to make. When you think of if something were to happen, having an advanced directive, power attorney, healthcare proxy, all that stuff. A court isn't going to immediately give those things to a roommate, even if it is a partner. Um, you know, the priority is going to be to the family. You know, and the person can the, the person can fight and go to court and prove it, and it could be very expensive. It could take very long. You know, they could even win. But usually how things go when it hits court is they look at family first and blood relations. And we're also talking about not every state is equal. Some states might be more lenient towards a partner and say, yes, according to all evidence, these people have lived together for a long time. They shared a life. This person gets priority. But in other states, they could say, nope, we don't believe in that here. And in certain counties, so you're, you're screwed. What steps can someone in a domestic partnership take to protect their partner, a person that you know they've built a life with and that they love? Let's say if you have a domestic partnership, if you're not wanting to get married, then you have to do everything by the book. And you have to protect, you have to go above and beyond legally to protect yourself as much as possible. And part of it, if we start with, let's say assets, you know, who you name as a beneficiary for a life insurance policy for your investments. Cause a lot of times those are separate, you know, it's like says, okay, you name someone, something happens to me, it goes to this person that doesn't get touched by law. That's, that's outside, you know, in policies, you know, the insurance company will be dealing with that. Not the, not the, the courts. Um, when it comes to, if you set up, you know, more complicated things like trust bank accounts transfer on death, you just name that person. So they go to the bank, they have the rights, this person's no longer alive, here's a death certificate, it all gets transferred to me. So those are the types of things that you're going to want to do outside of law. But then within your will, and you definitely want to create one. This is where you can't put it to the side and say, we'll get around to it because you're really, you know, flying without any safety net here. So you need to make sure that everything you do is going through and saying, I want to make sure that my property, my home, you know, if it's not in both your names, it goes to this person and you're going to want to set it up that way and possibly even get that person on the deed. So you have joint ownership and make sure this property goes to this person. Uh, anything outside of, of your will, uh, outside of like things that require beneficiaries, 
you're going to make sure that that's all in there. You're going to make sure if you have any pets, making sure that. You're going to make sure if you have kids, guardianship is shared. And also, to take a step further, you probably want to get something legal to connect that parent to the child. Whether it's filling out adoption papers, you know, you see those cute videos online of someone like as a birthday gift to dad. They're like, you're my now my dad, you know, stepdads. Oh my God, I literally weep at those videos. It's important. And usually it's, you know, if you're over 18, it's more ceremonial and it makes you feel better. But if it is a, someone under 18, if it's a minor, then you're going to, that child could go through stuff. Let, let's assume it's an infant. You know, let's assume a parent, it's like a child that's one or two years old and has a whole life in front. You know, that's the kind of stuff you want to worry about. Especially with kids, right? You make it through, they're 18. It's like, yay, we did it. it uh, but when it's a small kid, like, who's that child going to go to? Um, the legal spouse is typically going to get it. But if there isn't a legal spouse and just a partner, you know, without that legal protection, it's going to go to next of kin, if not into foster system. You know, that's the main thing. It's like assume that it all funnels down and that person in a list gets top priority unless you say otherwise. So if you, whatever property, whatever, anything you'd want that person to have, that's what's important. Because when you do look at marriage, a lot of times while you're alive, it's benefits that you can get. Uh, so we do say you're going to want to do while you're alive, power of attorney, which is giving someone the ability to make financial decisions if you can't, if you're incapacitated or something. That's in effect while you're alive. And healthcare proxy, part of an advanced directive where you do a living will, what treatments do you want or don't want in a medical emergency? But most important, who makes those decisions? Because that's where the drama will start happening today. If someone is in a coma and all of a sudden some, you know, really jerkwad brother comes along who hasn't spoken to that person in, you know, I don't know, 10 years, and all of a sudden is a hero, walks in the hospital, oh, no, I'm the brother, I get to say, and it's like, you have not been involved in anything we've been doing this entire time. Well, you'd hope that the family wouldn't be a bunch of jerks if something happened, but what if they are jerks, you know? So what you'll definitely need to do in the situation is get your partner in your will, make them your power of attorney and healthcare proxy so that that annoying brother doesn't swoop in and ruin everything. Make sure that every piece of property that you share together, whether that's a house or a kid, um, make sure that those items are legally shared between the two of you. Because if they're not, it goes to the court. This podcast is brought to you by Everplans, the app designed to guide you through securely storing and sharing your most important information. We're pretty much everywhere you are, so be sure to follow us. We're at Everplans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. See you next week.